0: Reverent, entertaining, cool. You are listening to L.A. Talk Radio. We say what we want.
1: You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on L.A. Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. My name is Brad Remillard, and I'm here with my partner, Barry Deutsch. Uh, Today is uh, Impact Hiring Solutions Live every Monday from 11 to noon uh, on LA Talk Radio. You'll find, if not Barry and myself, one of us. uh, Impact Hiring Solution is a uh, basically an executive retained executive search firm and best practices hiring company. we know that uh, there's a lot of shows on business, different aspects of business out there uh, that cover all topics on business, from finance to uh, just about economics and anything else you'd like. Marketing. This show is a little different. Uh, we would like to focus on one aspect that uh, Barry and I consider ourselves to be experts in, considering we've written two books and are uh, nationally recognized speakers on the topic of hiring, and that's really what we talk about. Whether you're a candidate looking for that perfect job or that right job or to get back to work or simply if you're a company struggling with maybe not now with the economy but think back a year or two years you probably were struggling with that uh, process of hiring and finding top talent and where does this where is this talent I keep finding uh, the bottom third of the candidate pool and I'm looking for at least give me the middle third at least at this point in time. So that's what this show's about. Helping candidates find work. Helping hiring managers find candidates. We're kind of that, uh, uh, date. Bringing together that perfect date and finding that, that great person and that great person, that great company and bringing them together. And that's what we talk about. You can participate today if you'd like in the conversation. All you have to do is dial 818-602-4929. 818-602-4929. Uh, but you have to understand we cannot take blocked calls. They will not go through. So if your call is blocked or you hide your number, just dial star 82 before you dial uh, the 818 area code and you'll get through. Otherwise, if you hear the recording that says all the lines are busy, they're really not. It's just that your call must be coming through blocked and so go back and unblock it. If you're unable to talk to us, you can't hear us, or you're at a, at a, in a position where you can't uh, talk or whatever, just give us a call. I'm sorry, send us an email and uh you can get uh through us with at uh info at impact dot dot com. Info at impact dot com and uh you can get through and we'll send an email. We'll try and take your email uh on the phone, uh, as we go through it, Barry and I try and address that directly. Today's topic is going to be on uh, the ten biggest hiring mistakes. Or, I'm sorry, the ten biggest search mistakes that candidates make when they go through a search, and we're going to try and uh, address each of those and talk about talk about them. Barry, you want to kind of introduce uh, how we're going to talk about what those ten career mistakes are, job search mistakes are?
0: Absolutely. Um, one of the things that Brad and I have done over the years is we, we've we probably met well in excess of either through phone interviews, physical interviews, sitting with our clients, workshop seminars, and we've engaged with probably 100,000 plus, I mean it literally could be twice as many over 25 years that Brad and I have both been doing executive search. We've had the unique pleasure of seeing kids come out of school at the age of 21, 22 years old starting their career And observing them over those 25 years and trying to understand why do some people have extraordinary success in their job search, their career management over a quarter of a century? Why are some today senior executives, CEOs, presidents, entrepreneurs, company founders, and other people just flounder and fail miserably? So we've developed, through this research, a, a list of what we consider to be the top ten common job search mistakes that candidates, regardless of if they are at an entry level or a senior executive level, tend to make over and over. Now, one of the problems in making these job search mistakes is that it dramatically extends the time period it takes to find a great opportunity. And in this kind of a market, that has a high cost to it. Brad and I have written about this. We've talked about it in this program. We've published blog postings. Um, you, you can go and download some of our former audio programs that are archived on our site. And Brad will talk more about that in a little bit. But, but the key here is if in this kind of a market, at, let's just take an executive level, for example, Brad. The normal rule of thumb is that an executive level job search in a normal economy might take around six months. In this kind of economy, it's a 9 to 12 month average cycle at an executive level. If you make one or more of the common job search mistakes, that period of time could easily extend 12, 14, 16, 18 months. And for many people, that's difficult to afford. (laughs) You figure, at an executive level, you might be making, let's say, at a minimum, $120,000 a year, $240,000, let us say $240,000 a year. That's $20,000 a month. Can you really afford to lose over $100,000 by sitting on the sidelines because you're not conducting an effective job search? You're making one or more of the mistakes. So, Brad, what I thought I might do is just summarize all 10 here at the beginning of our discussion. We'll walk through each 10, and then at the end, we'll resummarize them and talk a little about a tool that will help you to overcome these mistakes. How does that sound?
1: I think that's great. I just want to add one more comment. I know you took it the, the way that it could extend it. I like to think about it the other way, Barry. I believe by avoiding these mistakes, by ensuring that you don't make these mistakes, what if you could find a job 30 days earlier? What if instead of taking you six months, you now only took you five months? That's 10 grand in your pocket, 20 grand in your pocket, five grand. I don't know what you make a year, five grand in your pocket. So by avoiding these mistakes, I clearly believe that a candidate could dramatically, especially a top-talented candidate, one who's done all these things right, could actually make money. And unfortunately, I don't think candidates view it that way. So I do think that it it can extend it by making them, but by not making them, you can also reduce your time in search dramatically and actually save yourself tens of thousands of dollars. Go ahead, Britt, that's my editorializing on on your side, but why don't you go ahead and take those ten and let's walk through them.
0: I'd like to make one other point and then I'd like to throw out some rhetorical questions that I'd like our listeners to be thinking about as we cycle through these. You have the ability, if you can avoid in your job search, these top 10 mistakes, and they're pretty easy to overcome. If you can avoid making them, as, as Brad just said, and I want to reemphasize this, you can literally reduce the time it takes to find a great job 20, 30. or more. In fact, our research shows that most of the people that we're engaging with over the last couple of years since we've published our book and created the career success methodology, if you employ those simple techniques and then overcome these classic job search mistakes, your success in reducing the average time it takes to find a job from your peer group could literally be 50 60% or more. So here's what I'd like you to think about as we cycle through these. Number one, are, as you listen to these, are you guilty of making any of these top 10 job search mistakes? Number two, when you've made one or more of these mistakes in past job searches or maybe in your current job search, how has it negatively impacted your success in finding a new job on a timely basis? And then number three, is there one or more of these job mistakes job search mistakes that you consistently make and once you realize which ones you're making do you have a plan in place to change that and not make the mistakes in the future one of my favorite quotes frequently gets attributed to Albert Einstein or Benjamin Franklin is, is the old definition of insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over, hoping and praying for different results. If you keep making the same mistakes and your job search keeps taking two, three, four times as long as your peer group, then you got to change something to be more effective. Brad, before I go through all ten of these, anything you'd like to add?
1: No, that sounds great. Uh, let's jump into it. <clears throat>
0: Okay, number one, mistake number one, not having a systematic approach to conducting a job search. Mistake number two, jumping at an opportunity based on desperation. Number three, not adequately preparing for interviews, whether it be the phone interview or face-to-face interview. Number five, ineffective networking. Number six, no personal branding to help hiring managers and recruiters find you. Number seven, not leveraging online tools and resources. Number eight, having no coherent long-term strategic career plan. This is separate from a job search that you're conducting right now. It's the overall path over a career. Number nine, A poor attitude, pessimism, negativity, and frustration will dictate your actions and how you're perceived. And then number 10, an ineffective engagement with recruiters. Those are what we've seen in our surveys, research, um, studies that we've done to be the top 10 job search mistakes that most candidates make, regardless of whether you're at an entry level coming right out of school or you're at a senior executive level, at you know, C-level executive at quarter million dollars plus a year. Brad, any comment or thought?
1: No, I'm, why don't we just take the – we don't have time really to go into all ten of them, Barry. I mean, we've given all ten of them, and if people want to engage us later with questions through our uh, LinkedIn discussion group, uh, which they can go to and Impact Hiring Solutions, uh, Job Search uh, Network Group. They can engage us on the other ones if they want to talk about anyone specifically. But why don't we just – we probably don't have time to take the top five, so why don't we take five and talk about each one, and, and maybe we'll spend most of our time on uh, a number one, but we can at least address the top five. So ineffective networking. To me, this is twofold, and I think it's uh, something that you know. I have a whole networking group here in Southern California of uh, executives, and uh, I see this all the time. And I constantly ask candidates about talk to me about your networking, and I hear two common flaws in this. Number one is they are not in any way, shape, or form effectively networking. using the internet I mean there's really two types of networking there's online networking and there's offline networking uh, in the classic sense so I I find number one most at executive levels do a a very very poor job of online networking utilizing the social networks to really be found in fact I'm writing an article for our blog right now about how you can leverage Google to find you when we think about LinkedIn and Facebook but Google is an effective tool and very few people use it Uh, So I think network effective networking is not only online, how is your LinkedIn, and in fact, our biggest downloaded free download program or free template, you can get it right off our website, is our 8-matrix assessment of your LinkedIn profile. It's a scorecard on your LinkedIn profile. It's free. Download it. Go to our homepage, impacthiringsolutions.com. Scroll down to what's new and download the 8-matrix. Matrix LinkedIn profile assessment. See if your profile is up to date. That's the number one biggest mistake on internet. The second thing I think on an effective networking, Barry, is I find candidates really don't understand how to network. Their idea of networking is volume. You know, get me 12, 13, 1400 business cards. Run to every networking meeting. I shake a lot of hands. I met a lot of people. Boy, I'm really out there. And 90 days later, they are burned out. They've been to every network group on the planet. They've met everybody they can. They've shaken so many hands. They've got tar- tarpal tunnel syndrome, whatever that carpal tunnel syndrome, whatever it may be. Not, that's not networking. We talk about in our book, uh, the candidate book about networking, we talk about the five levels of networking and how you have to take a contact and turn it into connection. Effective networking is twofold. Number one, turning it into a connection making that person so they know your background, they know who you are, and when they call, somebody calls them and asks for a referral, you come to mind. In my networking group, we call it having a 100 salespeople out there talking to you, a 100 people that know your background so well that a recruiter calling from New York into Los Angeles, for example, they make five foot phone calls, and somebody's going to refer them to you because they know you so well. The second problem that we find with the Networking is once you build, that, you build that connection, they get to know you and they understand who you are and what you're about, is there isn't any ongoing follow-up and really the ability for that person to to, to continue to engage you. So we meet the person in February, they've forgotten us by March and there's no ongoing networking with them uh, and they think they're in our networking group and we don't get any referrals So that follow-up. So we don't effectively network what I call network with a purpose. What is the reason you're going to that networking group? It isn't just because you got to get out of bed in the morning. What value does that networking group bring to you? Before you spend an hour with somebody, what do you expect? What value can you give? And what value can that person give you in return? Don't just meet people for the sake of meeting people. You wouldn't do that while you're working. Don't do it now. When you go into a networking group Make sure you have the right networking tools. And I just wrote a blog that's going to be coming up this week on our career blog. Do you have the correct networking tools? So that's my spiel on networking. Make a connection. Get 100 people working for you. Understand it's it's quality, not quantity. And do you have the right networking tools on the offline and on online? Are you using all the effective tools effectively? And we find that less than half really are.
0: Brad, let's take a call from uh, one of our callers who uh, just posed the question, if that's okay. Uh, Julie from Chicago wrote in and said, I've got a fairly large network, 150-plus people, and I'm extremely frustrated that very few of those people are giving me job leads or job referrals. What am I doing wrong? Well,
1: you-
0: what would be Brad- one of the first... Wouldn't it be one of the first things, Brad, that you would suggest to Julie?
1: I would Just what I just said, I would tell Julie because they don't know you. They're, they're a contact, Julie. They're a, not a connection. Mm-hmm. So you're just a contact. You're one of 1,200 cards sitting on their desk, and I use this analogy. Somebody calls and said they don't know after two weeks if your name is Pat, whether you're a male or female. They just know they met somebody named Pat. You haven't taken the time to make those people your salespeople, Julie. Those hundred and fifty people in your are just names. And names have a very short tough life. Barry and I can tell you example after example after example of how many times we've called people and they'll say, Oh, you know, I just met somebody with that background just last week. Uh, you know, let me let me look up and, and give you a call back. Within a week, usually it's two days, they have forgotten you. And let me tell you, they don't call us back. So you have to take the time, Julie, like I just said, follow up with them, engage them. We have a In our book, this is not the position I accepted. We have a whole process to go through to tell you how to continue to engage uh, through email campaigns and through other campaigns soon, non-harassment engage these people. But your problem is, Julie, you need to take those 150 contacts – And begin to turn them in connections with with phone calls, with coffees, with meeting them, with helping them, with giving them some assistance so they remember you. And make those people your salespeople. You've done the classic thing, collect a lot of information, but let's make and, and hope they remember you. The fact is they don't. Until you turn them into a connection, contact, into a connection or a relationship, you will never get referrals. They don't know you and trust you develop a relationship with them and that'll happen but this is what our complaint is. it takes time and I one of the things that we talked about earlier is um, going to our website impact dot com and downloading two free assessments. one is the one on your LinkedIn assessment it's right there homepage scroll down what's new you'll see eight factor LinkedIn assessment download that it's free then we just posted today Our job search assessment scorecard, download that and see how you're doing. All of this information we're going to talk about today, all of these 10 mistakes, Barry and I, when we wrote our candidate job search book, this is not the position I accepted. See, uh, the, the title, the subtitle is Executive Recruiters Reveal the Inside Secret of How to Conduct an Effective Job Search. We took all 10 of these into consideration. We wrote that book. That's what the book is about, ensuring that you don't make these mistakes. One of my biggest issues with networking, with all 10 of these mistakes, is I'll bet when Barry read all of those off, somebody was sitting out there saying, Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know network is important. Yeah, I know that. It's not that you know them. Not who cares if you know them. It's doing them that counts. I know how to play chess. I know how all the pieces move. It doesn't make me a chess master. It means I know something. Knowing something and doing something are totally different. The book that we wrote, this is not the position I accepted, is designed to get you to do it with our templates, our exercises, everything. And you can get the book free right now, literally free. We'll send it out to you. You pay $5 shipping. We will literally send you that book for free. And you can download it off our website. Uh, So... Let's give another example about uh, uh, networking, Barry, uh, that you want to talk about a networking that you'd like to share where you had an example on network, but we, we're running out of time, so we're never going to get to the rest of these if we don't get moving on these.
0: Right, and one of the things we might consider doing, Brad, in future radio broadcasts is taking each one of these subjects and just spending a whole you know, radio show on each single one because there's so much meat and information, content, um, and importance around each of these. No question. All right. Example. One of the services that you'll see on our website that we provide is a networking strategic plan development for candidates. So when we do this service, the first thing we look at is let's take a look at your existing network. And what Brad and I inevitably discover is we have to tell people to effectively trash about 95% of the folks who are in their network because there is no way on earth that group will ever generate a job lead or job referral. These aren't bad people. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just from a job search perspective, you've got the wrong network in place. You're working the wrong people and that comes back to Julie's comment, you could have a thousand people in your network and still not get any job leads and referrals. So we've we've identified the types of people, how to get those people in your network, what value they bring. We've done previous radio shows on this topic. We've posted blog topics. You can search on our blog for that information, and we detail it in a great deal of depth in our book, step-by-step, of how to build a powerful network that will actually generate an abundance of job leads and referrals. Most candidates in a job search have terrible networks and one of the greatest frustrations job seekers have is why isn't my network helping me? Well it's because your network is worthless to start with and again not from the personal perspective that these people are bad or mean or don't want to help you it's just they're not the right people that can lead you to the kind of jobs you're interested in. Brad why don't we take a moment and um, have you share with uh, some of the new callers who may have come on the line who we are and where we are.
1: Yeah, you're listening to uh, Impact Hiring Solutions Live. You're listening on L.A. Talk Radio. Uh, we're an executive uh, search firm and best practice hiring company. Uh, we're here every Monday from 11 to noon uh, on L.A. Talk Radio Pacific Time uh, where we talk about issues just like we're talking about today. How can we make your search go quicker? Or if you're a hiring manager, how can we ensure that you find, attract, hire, and retain top talent? And today our show is focused on uh, – Well, the top ten hiring mistakes, we're trying to focus mainly on the top five uh, and give you some tools and resources to help make sure you avoid these mistakes because every month you're in search is costing you thousands of dollars in lost wages. So we're on L.A. Talk Radio every Monday, 11 to noon, with Impact Hiring Solutions Live.
0: Let's talk about number four, four, moving up the uh, rankings here. Number four was a lack of follow-up after interviews. My experience in our executive search practice, and talking with candidates, debriefing with hiring managers, is that the vast majority of candidates, after an interview, whether it be a phone interview or physical interview, they may send a thank you, but it dies at that point. They sit back, cross their fingers, and hope the phone rings again, and if you really want to move your job search forward, you have to start to take a high level of initiative and proactivity in basically marketing follow up diligence proactivity in making sure that hiring manager knows you 're the best fit for that job because if you just leave it up to random luck you 're never going to get an opportunity to come back and prove your capability. Brad thought or comment on that one
1: i just have i 'm going to make it very quick because i don 't want to put a lot of time in it. I think most. In our and again, I'm I'm promoting our book here pretty heavily today because it ties right into this. In our book, we have an example of a follow-up uh, letter after the interview. My complaint is what you just said. Most candidates send a follow-up thank you note. That's worthless. The, can't, the client doesn't care about your thanking them. This is your opportunity to reinstate. Your value add. This is your opportunity to overcome a possible weakness that may not have been discussed in a, in a job search. I actually had a candidate named Gary. He's a and he's a testimonial to this working. I could put you in touch with him if you want. He actually called me afternoon. He said, "Brad, I think I blew it. I think this problem happened. And how do I recover from it?" We put together a thank you follow up letter that addressed that issue head on in the letter. And he got the job. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He got the job. So don't just send a thank you letter. Address what your benefits are. Resell. Again, we have an example of what a real thank you letter should be and a whole chapter called the real purpose of a thank you letter. And it's not to say thank you. That's not the purpose of a thank you letter. It's nice, but that's not the purpose. Uh, But I don't want to spend a lot more time on that. I want to get into really a bigger issue, which I think is number three, Barry, is not adequately preparing for interviews. Uh, this, I, to me, is a whole – probably two radio shows. I think in our book, I must have two chapters developed to this because it's not – one of the mistakes I think candidates make is they prepare for an interview. That's not
0: right. Defy, yep, define what you would consider what most candidates do to prepare for an actual interview.
1: Well, I think it comes before that, but I'm going to step back a step. I don't care about you preparing for an actual interview. I think long before you prepare for an actual interview, you need to prepare to interview. Forget an interview. You got to get prepared just to interview. How are you, what's your body language look like in it? How will you answer basic questions? How are you going to present yourself? Well, how are you going to answer the question? Tell me about yourself. What are your value adds? What are your accomplishments? What questions are you going to ask in the interview? Have you videotaped yourself? How many mock interviews have you done? You haven't even prepared to interview. Forget about an interview. I think there's so much work to do before you even begin to go out on an interview just to get prepared for an interview that most candidates miss. And they don't take the time to even get ready. It's kind of you're going on a play. It's kind of those... uh not even the dress rehearsals, but even the, the just the practice. Let's do this scene number one. And let's get that down pr- f- uh, perfectly. Let's do scene number two of the play. Let's get that down perfectly. Then we'll do the dress rehearsal and bring it all together and do a practice play, and then we're ready to go live. I don't think most candidates even do the very first step of preparing, but for the scene and preparing. Most candidates, to answer your question, simply go out on a job search. They start they think, well, see, I, I know my background. I've had interviews. I can wing it when I get in there. And so when they go to prayer for an interview, what do they do? They go to the website. They research the company. They read the last five years of every 10K, 10Q, SEC report. They Google them. They look up all the person, and they get into the interview. And how many times in an interview has someone said to you, gee, Barry, thanks for coming in. Tell me. Tell me everything you've researched on my company and tell me all about my company, would you please? They never ask that question. They ask you all the other questions that you haven't even started to prepare for. I've got a blog coming up on one of my biggest pet peeves in an interview, and I think it's one of the top reasons why candidates fail in an interview. Every candidate knows they're going to be asked this question in the interview. Sooner or later, this question is coming up in an interview. By the way, thanks for coming in, Barry. Do you have any questions for me? How many interviews have you sat in, Barry? How many have I sat in and the candidate looked like a deer in the headlight when they asked that question? Over 90%. Uh, Easily. Huh? Questions for you? I thought this was – oh, no. You've answered most of my questions. And I sit back and say, well, wait a second. How did this person answer most of your questions when all they were doing is asking you questions? How did they answer any of your questions? I got a pet peeve. This is your golden opportunity to shine. I got a blog coming up this week. I think Wednesday it's going to be posted. On this whole issue of where are the questions? What did you prepare to ask this question about the job, about success? In our book, we have over 150 questions for you to ask an interview broken down by category. About values, management style, organizational style, structure, uh, manage, uh, how do you manage your people. And then we have the chapter on the 10 absolute critical questions to ask in every interview. What are the 10 most important questions to ask in every single interview. And yet, I have not heard one candidate ask them yet. And I probably, that's probably not true. Maybe one. They throw this softball question up there for you, to, for you to shine. The questions you ask are more important than the answers you give. The ability to probe deeply, to ask insightful, thoroughly thought out questions. I've had more CEOs call me back and tell me I want to hire candidate A just because, man, what a great bunch of questions. They really made me think in that interview. Nobody's ever challenged me like that. So I could go on about this one, Brad. You can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. But,
0: well most hiring managers measure a number of things but by, by the quality of questions you ask your intellect, your energy, your enthusiasm, your insightfulness, your inquisitiveness and when you sit there like you said Brad as a, as a deer in the headlights they start writing you off as lack of energy, not particularly smart, uh not inquisitive, isn't going to push issues. I mean they extrapolate insightful. a whole Yep. Yep.
1: Not very they, insightful, Certainly not intuitive. I mean, an executive, you don't have any questions about the position? About what's going on? What the challenges are? I mean, it just it just blows me away. I just fall out of the chair. And yet, like you said, 90% of the time, this is something we should probably spend a whole show on because it's such an important topic that uh as you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it and get pretty upset about it because it just I just I'm dumbfounded by it. So, what's number 2, Barry?
0: Number 2. Jumping at an opportunity based on desperation. So, we'll what Brad and I, our, have been, go ahead.
1: Like I say we call this in our book the circle of transition,
0: and it's a depressing circle to get on, and it's almost impossible to get off.
1: It's a spiral, it's, pro- actually. It's, we call it a circle because it just. But you're right, Barry. Once you get in it, it is brutal to get out of. And we have by the way there's a free download on our website on our homepage again scroll down to what's new you can download the circle of transition a graphic picture from a powerpoint of exactly what that circle is and determine where you're at on that and how to get out of it because if you don't get out of it it's brutal it's a dead end for your career
0: and and why why do you think, Brad, people actually fall into this, that, that, that they're willing to throw everything they've learned about rational and objective decisions about accepting jobs and succumb to the circle of transition, to desperation, to taking jobs they should have never taken in the first place?
1: Well, I think well, – let me just make one clarification, kind of an asterisk that I think is important. I will agree that when it's a financial situation, you're going to lose your house, you're behind in payments, the debt's backing up, and a position comes by and you're taking that. You know, when it's a financial, I, I, I commonly tell people, "Hey, all bets are off. You got to do what you got to do to pay the bills, to, to make the mortgage, to put food on your table, to take care of your kids, your family." So, so, so let's leave aside that it's not financial, okay? So don't call us and send us back emails saying, "Well, what about financial?" We're talking about non-financial issues here. I think it's very just what you said. I think candidates. After such a period of time, particularly executives, executives are used to seeing results. Executives are used to being in control. Executives are used to being able to set a time frame, set challenges, goals, and strive to them. They're used to being able to be in control of their circumstances. And many people, not even not executives, are used to being that. You get in a job search, you have no control. You can't control the circumstances. You can't control the time frames. And there's nobody to blame when things go wrong. So, this executive very quickly, who particularly you take that executive that walks out a little bit cocky, a little bit confident, looks back and says, I've always been able to find a job. You know, I've always moved from job to job pretty quickly. I'm a top 10 percenter. Interesting thing, everybody thinks they're a top 10 percenter. So, that would make everybody a top 10 percenter, which would make everybody average. So, everybody can't be a top 10 percenter. Uh, And they, they, and sooner or later, you know, and I'll take 30 days off, relax, you know, Decompress and then they, then they start the job search. They don't have a network like we talked about. They aren't prepared. They aren't ready for this economy. They aren't prepared to find what they are totally unprepared to, to find what's going on out there. And you and I meet, I bet I talk to f- 10 to 50 executives a week who, and, and this is our background that we hear this. They're just blown away. So now they're 60 days unemployed. They've taken 30 days to try and build their network, no results. Now they're into this for 90 days. They've got another 30, 60 days of just going through the motion. They're out there for five or six months, Barry, and they're, like you said, desperate. So what happens is, in my opinion, when you become desperate as a candidate, and now you become even before that, before even desperation, you're frustrated. Frustration sets in. Frustration starts to kill you. So what happens is, all of a sudden, a recruiter calls, a company calls, and you're in this frustration mode that you begin to enter this circle of transition. That frustration, as you said, great, turns into desperation. And When that recruiter calls because you're desperate, jobs you would never even have considered 30, 60, 90, 120 days ago, again, not financial. They're just wrong title, wrong location, not enough scope, small company, all the things you would never have considered. Because you're desperate, you begin to say, ah, what the heck, nothing's coming my way. I'll take a look at it. I'm desperate. I'm frustrated. So frustration moves to desperation. Now you take that interview, Barry, and you meet whomever you meet, and you like the person. Now on the way driving home, that desperation turns into rationalization you begin to rationalize away all the reasons that you wouldn't have taken the job before, but now it's a good job all of a sudden. And as the process moves, you get some other interviews, that rationalization turns into justification. Now you've justified in your own mind why this crappy job that you wouldn't have taken 60 days ago is a not a good job, Barry. It's a great job. So you accept the job. Justification turns into acceptance. And because it was the wrong job to begin with, 60 days into the new job, you become frustrated again. You're not feeling fulfilled. You're not being challenged. You're driving a long way. Maybe you don't hit it off with your boss. Maybe the resources weren't there because you didn't ask the tough questions that we talked about in preparation. That frustration turns into desperation turns into rationalization, turns into justification, and you are in that circle of transition. So I think there's a lot of things that go on in that, but I think that whole front process of control and circumstances and seeing results really impact executives.
0: Well, there's another issue, Brad, that happens, and this is actually a great segue to the number one mistake that gets made, is when you're not conducting a systematic and effective job search You don't see very many leads. You don't get many job referrals. There's very few offers coming along. And and most of the opportunities that come your way are crap. But But now you've been at it for nine months, and so you start to lower your standards. You start to consider being desperate. You're highly frustrated. And as you said, you succumb to the circle of transition, which is a very hard cycle to actually break and get out of.
1: Yeah, and that's why the, the, number one, not having a systematic approach to a search and a systematic process is clearly the number one mistake. I mean, it, a process is for everything. You can't make anything. I mean, you, what do you manufacture? If you skip a pr- step in the manufacturing process, something goes wrong. You can't have a random, unstructured approach to a job search. Most candidates are not professional recruiters and understand how a job search works. They're amateurs; they're not they're professional at what they do, and If they don't have a process that's just random. Well, this is the way I did it last time, and it worked. Well, it's a different economy, a different set of circumstances. You're older; your different experience is different. It doesn't work. So you need a process, and that's really, if you come down to it, what our um, six, uh, job search career success methodology is all about. It's a structured. Five-step process to walk through, and our uh, job search methodology literally takes you through that step. And again, our our, our methodology is on our website. Uh, it, you can get it right now. For, I mean, it's six CDs. It's all of our templates. We even throw in our book, which is thirty-six dollars, into it. And it's available to you. You can download it, or you get it right now for fourteen bucks. We'll send it out to you. We'll even pay the shipping. And we'll send it out to you. You can get our whole career sex, career success methodology home study course. I think it's six CDs, all our templates, our workbook. Um, I think it's examples of resumes. I mean, I don't even know. It's it's huge. And it's right now for 14 bucks. We'll ship it out to you. You can't even get a resume prepared for that. And we give you this whole five step approach to walk through because we believe so important that you have that methodology and we have this five-step approach you have to walk through and when you have that five-step approach and our uh, career success methodology home study course gives you that that's how you're going to cut your time in search and that's how you're going to save tens of thousands of dollars by having a methodology Uh, your thoughts Barry
0: well in the 25 years that you and I have been doing this, Brad, it's apparent that probably 99.9% of all candidates that we've met conduct, conduct what is essentially a willy-nilly job search, or, you know, to use a, a trade overworked phrase, by the seat of the pants. But most candidates, I will, in my interviews, I will say to them at the end of my interview, and these are executive levels now, I will say, what are you doing in your job search? and I'm almost embarrassed to be sitting in the same room to listen to a successful, bright, accomplishment-oriented executive basically describe something that it's going to be a miracle if they find an opportunity because it's just it's it's predicated on hope and luck not on any systematic process. The other thing Brad talked about our five-step process we call the career success methodology, and we've spent years researching, developing, structuring a simple five-step process. We describe it all the time, elements of it on our blog, in this radio program. We've got services to help you implement it. We've got a variety of products like the home study course and our book that Brad just mentioned. But, but here's the interesting piece to this. You don't have to be great at any of these five steps. You don't have to do them perfectly, but you do have to do each step. And where we find most candidates fail miserably in their job search is when they skip, avoid, flush over quickly, or just completely ignore one of those key steps. You can't you can't do four but miss step five, or you can't do steps two through five and not do step one. You got to do each step step to have a successful and effective job search. And the way Brad and I define an effective job search is a job search where you find a great opportunity in a much shorter time period than it would typically take your peer group to get the same opportunity.
1: Yeah, and each step builds upon itself. So if you do number one and skip to number three, missing step number two you are not ready for step number three. They actually build upon it. That's why the momentum builds as you go through the proper methodology. That's why when you, when you walk through each of these and you do them to some degree of efficiency, you're going to be effective. It, the problem is you don't. Just like we talked about, if you don't prepare properly for, a, for an interview, then you're not going to be successful in the interview. So it builds on itself. You can't just go on and say, I'm ready to interview because I walked out of a job. It's not going to work. You can't have an effective network if you don't build an effective network. And as we saw earlier, most candidates don't build an effective network. So how do you get the job? an effective job lead? You don't. If you, if you don't. You can't interview. You don't have effective job leads. What's the sense of interviewing? You can't. They all build upon themselves. And the, it's so important to understand each of these steps. And one of the things we find is that most candidates go to other candidates and ask them questions. Now, I respect other candidates doing that, and I respect the sincerity of the person trying to help. But for the most part, that other person that you're tapping into is not an expert. They haven't had 25 years of doing hiring, uh, uh, only hiring. They haven't interviewed 10,000 candidates or more. They haven't sat between hiring managers and candidates and found what the issues are in the hiring manager. They're an amateur just like you. And I'm sorry to to be rude here, but amateur job searchers make amateur job searchers. You can't be an amateur in this event, in this economy. When you want to learn how to play the piano, you go to an expert. When you want to learn how to play golf, you go to a PGA professional. When you want to teach your kids how to sing, you take them to somebody who's done singing. When you want to do X, you go to a professional. That's what it's all about. And, and Barry and I, we believe by are the professionals. We've done it for 15 years. And this job career search success methodology walks you through those steps so you are learning from the best. And these steps really do help you. They get you defining who you are. They get you to effectively networking online, offline. They get you completely prepared for your resume. What is an effective resume? I tell you, resumes are worthless. How do you turn a resume into a marketing tool? They get you talking about how to prepare and what questions to ask in an interview. How do you close and follow up on the interview? How do you handle a phone interview different than a, from a uh, face-to-face interview? What's the purpose of an of a uh, uh, a thank-you letter? What is the proper best cover letter to put together? How do you close the deal? When should you start talking about compensation? All of these issues come up during the interview, and yet most candidates don't know how to handle it. It's all covered in our success factor methodology because these are the areas that candidates fall apart. All of those steps I just mentioned, all those issues I just mentioned, Barry, we cover extensively in our career success factor methodology home study course, so that no matter what happens, you can listen to that CD ahead of time before you go in on internet marketing, how to market yourself on the internet, how to build an effective resume. What's the real purpose of a resume? All those things are covered. And if you don't do it right, you're not going to be successful.
0: One of the things that Brad and I have created, and we've spent a lot of time working on this. We're very excited about this tool. We've refined it, field tested it, validated it with hundreds of candidates is a new tool that we've just posted. It's a free tool. We call it the job search plan self-assessment scorecard. It's in our traditional eight matrix form, eight point matrix form, and you can very quickly within minutes determine do you have an effective job search. A job search that's going to help you find a great opportunity one in which you're not going to make one of the 10 top classic job search mistakes. You're going to be able to have a structured, systematic approach, and you're going to be able to reduce dramatically the length of time it takes to find that next great opportunity. You can download that from our website. We've got it posted in a couple of places. One place to find it is in our LinkedIn discussion group, and if you're not a member of that group, you can join that group by going on to LinkedIn and searching Impact Hiring Solutions. And you'll see that group come up as one of the groups that we facilitate. It's the job search discussion group. One of the featured discussion tabs is for this new um, uh, template or scorecard we've just posted. And within a couple of minutes, you'll see it on the front page of our website. Uh, again, impacthiringsolutions.com. If you'll scroll down to the very bottom where it says what's new, the very first item will have a link uh, to the uh, be able to download for free this assessment tool. Brad and I would love for you to download the tool, score yourself, and then share the results of your scoring with us. And maybe one or two things that you're going to do to improve your job search plan. We'd love to see those calls. You can share it with us either in a direct email or where we'd really like to see it is in the LinkedIn discussion group where you can get great feedback, great feedback from peers and other folks uh, in that group. Here's the key with using this form. As you go down and you score yourself, you're going to find that you've got a lot of zeros and ones. Okay? It's a scale of zero, one, two, three. The key is, as you see zeros and ones, you should be writing down and developing a written plan of how you're going to move that to the next level. So if you're zero on two or three categories, what are the two to three steps, initiatives, actions you're going to take to get that up to a, a, the definition of what a one is in that particular category? Brad, anything you'd add to that?
1: No, I just think it's a great scorecard. I would tell you to uh, make copies of it. As you go through your search, don't just do it once. Do it at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Every at least 30 days, pull it out and reassess yourself because a, a search is a fluid thing, and you need to keep assessing where you're at. You know, Once you get up to start filling, filling all number ones and number twos, uh, you're going to see your job search accelerate dramatically because you're starting to do the, the, all the right things. And when you start doing all the right things, this momentum builds and it all kicks in. And, and that's why we took the time to put this uh, scorecard together to really help give you a visual tool to do a, to a self-assessment. You, the, the key is you got to be honest. I mean, you got to be brutally honest with yourself on your, uh, uh, how you do on this and uh, – uh, not knowing it again, but are you doing it? Uh, I know you can look at it and say, I know that. That's not the question to ask yourself. Are you doing it, and are you doing it effectively? And this job search scorecard, assessment scorecard, is a, just a great free resource for you, for you to look at.
0: Brad, any final thoughts you'd share with our listeners today as we wrap up our program? Maybe one last tip?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing is, you know, really... Uh, Go to our blog, look at these 10 hiring mistakes, job search mistakes, and look and see which ones you're making. Uh, We didn't get time to do the 10 through 6, so take a look at those. See if you're causing a problem with them, and if they are, actively seek out resources to change that. You know, We push our book here, obviously, because it's our show, but I'll be candid with you. I believe that there are a lot of good resources out there, a lot of them free uh, to take a look at. And become actively involved in that. And your job search, when you get a good process going, not whatever the wind blows you, your job search by overcoming these 10 things will change dramatically. So I want to say thanks, everybody, for listening today. We'll be back again next Monday, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on LA Talk Radio. Turbocharge your job search by overcoming these top 10 job search mistakes. Have, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions
0: with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch, only on L.A. Talk Radio.